This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. This is a podcast about the manosphere, and this week, the sound of this podcast is a bit skewiff. We know that Dan's mic had a fault. We don't really know what happened with my sound, but it will be better next week. As always, you can expect references to extremist misogyny and some mention of violence against women and girls. You can also expect lots of swears. Hey, Dan, did you know the Manosphere's opinions are backed up by actual scientific research? Whilst that's somewhat true, it's also a load of shit. Let's discuss. Hello and welcome to Manosphere Debunked, the podcast where we debunk the Manosphere. I'm Aileen Barrett from Instagram and the book The Tinder Translator. And I am Dan, otherwise known as the nicest psychologist on Instagram. And um, Aileen, you don't know what today's topic is about, do you? No, I don't, which makes fills me with trepidation. So, what's one of the what's one of your real big bugbears about the sort of ways in which Manosphere bros position their arguments or the ways in which they interact with women or justify some of their misogynistic behavior that women are emotional mm-hmm. and men are so, rational yeah yeah and that's come from like what evolutionary psychology yeah today we're going to talk about how the manosphere uses evolutionary psychology incorrectly oh, i'm so excited Okay, great. Okay, ready. You'd be excited for this. Okay, so this is based on a paper that was published very recently, August 2023. Mm, Kind of stuff. Yeah, love a bit of fresh research, and it's called it's called the use and misuse of evolutionary psychology in online manosphere communities. The case of female mating strategies. Mm, sounds like my jam. <laughs> yeah. So uh, amazingly, this was actually sent to me by um, sort of one of my friends that I've made through this account of mine. So shout out to Dan Osman. Thank you very much for sending this my way. Woo-hoo. So what we're going to do is we're just going to talk through a little bit about what evolutionary psychology is, how it influences sort of the the impact of uh, the manosphere and its use, but then also talk a little bit about how the manosphere get it wrong and also maybe just think a little bit about some of the critiques around evolutionary psychology. And then along the way, I've, I've got some stuff that I want to send you just to read out. as we So what's your understanding of evolutionary psychology, just layman's terms? Um, well, I don't know if I really understand what evolutionary psychology is. What I think it is, is psychology that looks at how our brains evolve through like how human society also evolved and how that's affected our psychology to this day. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. So it's heavily influenced by the idea of uh, Darwinism. So survival of the fittest, that idea, evolving through adaptations in order to kind of survive and reproduce. But um, what it does is kind of combines the, uh, the areas of psychology and evolutionary biology in terms of thinking about what kind of things do 
well, did animals, but then also we as human beings, what kind of strategies and adaptations did we use, take on board in, in order to kind of get to where we are? How do those evolutionary and biological changes kind of maybe explain some of the ways in which we think about the world, some of our behavior, our cognitions, things like that? Mm -hmm. I'm not an evolutionary psychologist. I'm not an expert in this area. Um, I have my own kind of biases about it. But today's uh, episode is not about bashing evolutionary psychology. It's more about actually how the manosphere puts a lot of what the research done in evolutionary psychology to shame or misuses it in some way. Mm -hmm. The intentions are good, I promise. Unless you're misogynistic, then, you know. (laughs) Yes, unless you are... Someone who uses evolutionary psychology in order to be a bit of a dick, yes. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I found most interesting when kind of looking up definitions for evolutionary psychology is the fact that it's it's referred to as a um, theoretical approach. The idea is that just because something comes from an evolutionary psychological basis doesn't necessarily mean that it's 100% fact and true and accurate. It's very much theoretical and assumed and hypothesizing. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of that's kind of evolutionary psychology in a nutshell. So the thing that's really interesting is that um, in terms of sort of female sexuality, which I guess the manosphere in terms of evolutionary psychology terms is you know weirdly obsessed with <laughs> pre 1970s and based on Dar- Darwin's kind of observations about female behavior, female sexuality used to be kind of thought about as very kind of monogamous, very coy, very submissive. However, post 1970s and sort of in terms of a lot of debunking of these earlier Darwinistic um, observations, there's been a lot more evidence to suggest that actually females within the animal kingdom are a lot less submissive. And actually, they don't necessarily, they aren't as monogamous as maybe previously thought, and that actually they um, can be as, I guess, sexually aggressive and dominant as males within the um, animal kingdom. Yeah, get it, girls. So exactly. So yeah, so in terms of kind of like thinking about female sexual behavior, this has been considered a bit of a feminist revolution. And it must have probably happened when women started being involved in the discipline. Probably. Yeah, women were like, hey, uh... I actually <laughs> like sex and choosing my own partner. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Let me just write a... Yeah. I'm actually going to do a bit of research and just see if maybe some of some animals out there do a little bit of what I do. I love the idea of just a woman shagging around at uni being like, it's field research. Um... <laughs> this is going on my dissertation, actually. Thank yeah. you very much. So what one might consider a sexual revolution, somebody else might consider the downfall of humanity. I feel like that sums up the manosphere, like <laughs> which is essentially where we sit with the manosphere, right? Yeah. So, from the nineteen seventies onwards, you know, with this um, expanding field of understanding female sexuality and female mating strategies in the in the animal kingdom a lot more, this has opened up the floodgates to a lot of moral panic, and because of that, the sort of misunderstandings about evolutionary psychology. Um, have led to the use of legitimate scientific hypothesis in a very disdainful way to routinely justify misogynistic vitriol towards women. Mm-hmm. So what this paper did was they did a discourse analysis on sort of manosphere material, which consisted of things like audio, video content, blogs, posts on Reddit, things like that, 
spanning three decades. So I think it wow. went from 1993 to, to 2022. Um, and altogether, after transcribing everything, the material covered 9,000 pages, Ooh, which is a lot. That sounds like a great read. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes and no. Oh, I was, I was, to clarify, being sarcastic about that. <laughs> so the, the results are coupled into kind of three main themes, really. one of which being that the use of evolutionary psychology within the manosphere is pervasive. It's not just some, pe- some pockets of the manosphere using it badly. It is actually rife throughout it. Um, some communities, particularly the MGTOW community yeah. and also incels, typically use it a lot more. So obviously MGTOWs are very upset about women and their place in society and all the sort of, in their view, effort it takes to be in a relationship with a woman. So they kind of choose to go their own way. I wish they would. <laughs> I wish they would. Um, and I guess incels or involuntary celibates, a lot of their issues with women are rooted in the, these ideas of evolutionary psychology uh-huh. and mating strategy and genetics and sort of good genes, bad uh-huh. genes, all that kind of stuff. So whilst they might sort of be the two communities that mostly sort of use it, mm-hmm. it's, it's rife throughout all of it. And then the other thing that was found is that the, the main topic of discussion is something called the dual mating strategy hypothesis. Do you know what that is? I imagine it's something to do with two different mating strategies that go at the same time, but I don't know. Uh, Well, uh, sort of, but not quite. I'll read you something from the paper. So it says one of the the issues that the manosphere is concerned about is women's infidelity, which is referred to as extra pair mating. In the manosphere, the most popular hypothesis to explain female extra pair mating extra pair mating yeah it basically means that you have you have you have an extra mate you have your mate yeah. your primary mate and then you have your side hustle essentially yeah yeah or your side piece yeah who you're mating or you're both both of whom you're mating with yeah so that's what the dual mating strategy is is that you mate with two people as opposed to just uh-huh. one uh-huh get it girls <laughs> uh, i just said that to piss off the manosphere um I don't think that people should cheat on their partners. <laughs> no. So the dual mating strategy hypothesis is that extra pair mating could have been adapted for ancestral women if they managed to secure investment from a regular partner while mating with affair partners would provide fitter, I put that in inverted commas, genes for their offspring. So basically it's the idea that, what is it, the beta cucks, alpha fucks? Yes, beta bucks, beta bucks, alpha fucks. Oh, yes, beta bucks, alpha fucks. Yeah, the saddest little rhyme that's, that ever did be. Yeah. Um, just for anyone yeah. who might not have heard that episode when we talked about that, alpha fucks, beta bucks basically means that you've got one man for security, money, stuff, and another man for sexy terms. And I guess mating, or other men say, women use themselves up, get ran through by the alphas, and then settle down in inverted commas or settle for a beta and uh, use him for you know his money and resources and stuff like that oh what's that little life anyway so based on that i'm going to send you a screenshot of a research paper i found okay i'm not going to tell you the title of the research paper because it's a bit of a giveaway okay so if you can just uh read what i've sent you i hate it already okay in mating markets driven by supply and demand, some females fail to attract long-term mates offering good genes. These females may sometimes benefit from a strategy in which they secure investment from a long-term mate 
and obtain genetic benefits from extra pair partners. In collared flycatchers... What the fuck is that? Is that a bird? Carry on reading. (laughs) In collared flycatchers, females whose social mates possess small forehead patches are more (laughs) likely to engage in extra pair copulation. Their extra pair partners are furthermore likely to possess large forehead patches. In addition, females time their extra pair copulations to occur in the middle of their fertile periods, increasing the chance that extra pair partners will sire their offspring. Oh, good use of the word sire. Hence, females in this species appear to possess adaptations for obtaining good genes through extra pair copulation. Okay. Okay. Give me some of your thoughts. Well, what the fuck is a flycatcher? Is it a, is it a bird? That was about a bird. Okay. <laughs> You're absolutely right. But I guess this is kind of what evolutionary psychology does. It kind of looks at something in nature. It looks at the behavior of some animals Uh and somebody somewhere goes, huh, I wonder if this is the same for humans. It's the fucking lobsters, isn't it? It's the lobsters. Fucking lobsters, yeah. And then I guess what they will try and do, because everything is theoretical and it's hypothetical, what they'll do is they'll try and test it in some shape or form. So this research paper written in 2005 kind of tried to test this ovulatory cycle hypothesis basically you know trying to see if if women who are in the who who are in their sort of ovulation cycle tend to find other men attractive or whether they find their partner attractive and that's and so we'll leave that there for now because you know we'll, we'll come back we'll come back to it in the later stage but i guess this is one of the research papers that somebody might use and go well, look fucking birds do it yeah so therefore women definitely do it and they and when they're ovulating they will just they look for those big head patches and that's all they see exactly and i guess the big head patch is all about sort of fit or gene fit yeah so you know or, or symmetry in the sense of um finding a partner that's symmetrical in terms of what a female would look for in a male to kind of attain the, the most reproductive benefit, I guess. Yeah. And the best chance of passing on um, good genes. Yeah, you can see why black pill incels would love this shit. Because it's all about like, oh, your chin width is not like three millimetres wider and therefore you should never pass on your genes or whatever. Yeah. Because I guess essentially what then happens is that based on this kind of use of evolutionary psychology or this very real, very factual, actual thing that happens in nature, it is used to kind of justify negativity towards women. Uh And it kind of vindicates their worldview because actually if it's happening in nature, then it it explains why women cheat, why women are horrible, why women will go for men that look a particular way. It kind of proves that whole uh, hypergamy um theory yeah. that you love so much mm-hmm. yeah my faith my absolute faith definitely something i believe and hold dear oh god yeah i it, yeah and and they can say things like it's just scientific fact it's just nature i'm just i'm not saying it like i'm not even saying anything bad i'm just saying it's what women are like because of science exactly <laughs> so what i'm going to do is i'm just going to send you a screenshot of the paper and um just read it and then we can have a discussion about it okay yeah Okay. Evolutionary thinking thus becomes an easy way to support generalizations about women. Men's rights lawyer, Ron Den Hollander, married a Russian woman who turned out to be a sex worker, an experience that scarred him for life. 
could have got therapy, but he did this instead. He even created a website to share his 1,500-page account of the story. Another great bedtime classic, I'm sure. <laughs> there, one finds an evolutionary explanation for female extra pair mating. In typical Manosphere fashion, his narrative is not presented as speculative, nor is it substantiated by empirical data. Oh, burn. Sick academic burn. <laughs> and then this is a quote from said 1,500-page account, I believe. A woman's drive for sex and economic support, which is the modern-day form of protection, made infidelity a way of life for her. Females spread their bets, so if one man bites the dust, either physically or economically, she still had other bows to depend on. To keep her bows tied to her, she needed to cheat on all of them, but still convince each one with her tears, entreaties and sex that he was the only one. Oh, God. Over millions of years, natural selection eliminated the faithful females since they tended to die out with only one male protecting and supporting them. Oh, my. Okay. That left the modern day man with only a huge pool of hoes, billions of them. <laughs> I've never heard someone use bows and hoes um, like that before. <laughs> I love that that's your takeaway, bows and hoes. It sounds like one of those um, dress-up parties that you used to do at uni, didn't it? Oh, my God. Bows and hoes, not yeah, out. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's A, nonsense, and B, like, terrifying that people are probably using this as, like, a, a an actual scientific explanation. <laughs> With her tears, entreaties, and sex. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, just get therapy. The thing that's most disturbing is that these Manosphere men will praise evolutionary psychology research as a scientific way to kind of validate what's what's going on for them. So yeah. this is a quote, which, by the way, is awful, but I'm going to read it out because it, it um, really highlights some of these men's thinking. Where's it from? So it's, it's one of the quotes that was taken from these 9,000 pages right, of okay. research that they found. And the quote is short and sweet. No, it's not short and sweet. It's short and fucking horrible. And it says, nice to have scientific peer review sources for foids, which are women, uh -huh. being cum whores by nature. Oh. Oh. Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, sorry, I mean, it's not funny, but it is as well. Like, cum whores. Wow, thanks, darling. Okay, so... Basically, we've covered the fact that evolutionary psychology is pervasive throughout the manosphere. Mm -hmm. They're really obsessed with this idea of dual mating strategy hypothesis, the fact that women through biological evolutionary means are primed and hardwired essentially mm -hmm. to cheat. One of the theories is around the fact that um, w women will, are more likely to sort of cheat or, or think about cheating around this sort of ovula ovulatory cycle but also there's this idea of kind of trying to find um good genes yeah the whole thing of like what good genes are seems to be based completely on appearance like what what people look mm -hmm. like but if from an evolutionary survival standpoint you're trying to mate with someone who has the best genes from that standpoint 
wouldn't you mate with the person who like protects and provides for you rather than someone who's like got a chiseled jaw irrespective of what they look like yeah, yeah. absolutely like, isn't that actually evolutionary more clever you're more likely to continue your genetic line which is yeah we keep saying stuff that both of us are like stop saying that but yeah <laughs> yeah here's what the manosphere gets wrong then okay everything <laughs> So the paper hasn't broken it down in this way, but through reading it, I kind of picked up about some of the commentary that I thought was most prevalent. What the manosphere does is it presents everything as fact. Like nothing is hypothetical, nothing is theoretical. Mm -hmm. No one seems to have the critical thinking skills to look at a piece of research that's done about a fucking bird, which by the way, that bird is really cute. It's like a small black and white bird, but no one goes, okay, so a bird does that. And that's cool, but does it directly apply to human <laughs> beings? No one sort of looks at it and goes, yeah. okay, so in terms of kind of like higher order cognitive thinking, birds have much smaller brains and they have far less, you know, decision-making skills and uh -huh. their capacity for empathy and care and all that kind of stuff is maybe vastly different to what we have as higher order thinking human beings with much more developed prefrontal cortexes. Mm -hmm. No one kind of goes... Okay, sure, that sounds like a good theory. Maybe some bits are true, maybe some of them aren't. But no, the manosphere just goes, black and white birds fuck and they cheat, so therefore women cheat. <laughs> yeah, it's almost as if they are looking for information to confirm a deep-seated belief and not, in fact, reviewing several you know, different viewpoints. And I guess, so along with taking everything as fact, everything's quite literal. Mm -hmm. You know, even the language that is used, the things that we've kind of like, you know, almost thrown up in our mouth with going like, yeah. um, they're like, they're like, you know, this is what we must do. This is our purpose and our primary sort of, you know, um, goal in life. And this is what women are doing. Women are just going around trying to sort of commoditize and get the very best out of life sexually and from a reproductive and evolutionary perspective when i'm pretty sure most women just don't want to be um harassed and groped and treated like shit generally on a day-to-day -day basis yeah. i think they've got pro other priorities and if they are like shagging around if they are if, if if you know a woman is a um and i quote top shagger um she is probably just <laughs> um just thinking like who do i fancy not oh i must collect all of the genes i must get all of the sperms from all of the mans and then i can have the big mm -hmm. strong sperm baby you know um, it's not <laughs> the big strong sperm baby yeah exactly i mean you know a lot of women who menstruate feel do experience it's not something that i've really noticed for me but do experience you know fluctuations in you know the sex drive according to their period and stuff and we we like to joke about how, you know, we should be tied to posts during ovulation like werewolves because we'll make bad decisions, you know. Well, what what a, what an interesting segue back to the research oh. that we were looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Okay. So I've, so I've sent you another screenshot okay. of the 2005 research paper, uh -huh. um, which, which I can name now. The paper is called Women's Sexual Interest Across the Ovulatory Cycle Depend on Primary Partner developmental instability right so basically what is found is that actually like the collared flycatchers uh -huh. human females tendency towards sexual interest in men mm -hmm. does increase 
during the ovulatory cycle. Just a bit like what you said mm-hmm. there. What I'd be interested for you to read is the highlighted section of the screenshot that I've just sent. Okay. I'm going to attempt to read this out. There's a lot of words I don't understand. Or at least what, what combinations of words I don't understand. More importantly, we found the fluctuating asymmetry of women's partners moderates these effects. When fertile, women mated to relatively asymmetrical men do experience greater attraction to men other than their primary partners. Women mated to relatively symmetrical men, however, do not. By contrast, women mated to relatively symmetrical men report greater attraction to their partners when mid-cycle than do women mated to relatively asymmetrical men. What's an asymmetrical man, Dan? (laughs) Essentially, what I can gather from that is that the conclusion is that, yes, like the collared flycatcher, women's attraction to men increases or changes or fluctuates during the ovulatory cycle. It is also proven that women can and do either fancy or fantasize about men who are not their partner during this phase. Uh However, the nature of the relationship determines as to whether that happens. And basically, if somebody is partnered with somebody who is asymmetrical, so the, the relationship is not good, they don't necessarily find that person attractive, they don't find them appealing, they don't find them a reproductive genetic good fit in the sort of most evolutionary biological terms Uh then they are more likely to look outside of the relationship and sort of look at other men or fantasize about other men right however if the relationship with the man is symmetrical and actually the things that are within the relationship are good or happy or healthy then actually the attraction from the woman to the man that she's in a relationship tends to go up so it's not as clear cut right. as just the fact that during the ovulation phase, women will just cheat. So basically, like if you're in a shit relationship and your sex drive gets higher, you're more likely to fancy other people because you don't like the person you're with. But if you're in a good relationship, you might fancy other people sometimes when your sex drive is higher, but you also fancy the person you're with more consistently throughout your cycle. Is that exactly right? Cool. Pretty much, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I'm just going to send you another another screenshot to read. Uh-huh. And, uh, do you know what? After I finish reading all these, I'm never going to say the words extra pair copulation again. I, I, um, <laughs> You're saying it quite a lot in your normal life anyway, my, really. my usual chat, yeah. Um, <laughs> naturally, women's attraction to men other than their primary partners probably leads to extra pair sex only occasionally. The costs associated with a potential loss of a relationship partner are often too high for women to act on their interests. Hence, relationship satisfaction importantly affects extra pair attraction and actual infidelity. The frequency of female extra pair copulation, or EPC, in humans appears to be on average modest and variable across populations of a large random sample of married women in the USA interviewed face-to-face, 15% admitted to extramarital sex. Anonymous questionnaire studies have yielded a mean rate of about 30%. Uh, so but I thought all the faithful women had died out. So how is it only 30%? <laughs> because I think what you'll find, Aileen, yeah. is that whilst 
what happens in nature might give us some indication as to what we as human beings might do. Uh-huh. It's not always 100% black and white. Like I was saying, we have the capacity to make decisions. We have the capacity to weigh, weigh up the consequences of our decisions. We have to weigh up. We have the capacity to weigh up whether something is good or bad or whether we should or shouldn't do something. You know, violence and aggression is arguably something that has over time become something thought of as evolutionarily beneficial and helpful for us um but and everyone has violent and aggressive urges you know but we don't all go around slapping each other because we can make the decision that actually if i'm angry there is a different way to manage the situation in the same sense that if a woman gets horny because she's in the middle of an ovulation cycle it doesn't mean that she's absolutely going to cheat on somebody else she has the capacity to make a decision about whether this is just a fleeting fantasy and whether she wants to stay in her relationship or whether she will go and choose to have sex with somebody else. Mm. Just because we have biological processes within us doesn't mean that we just automatically act on them. I mean, that might be true for you as a rational man, Dan. <laughs> but us females, you know, we don't we don't have that level of self-control. True. You are emotional and you are all driven by your hormones and your your, your biology. Yeah. That's why there's so much uh, catcalling by women to men on the street, just because we're, you know, yeah, yeah. on heat, essentially. Um... The other thing about all of this then, so the, the third thing that the manosphere gets wrong is that the manosphere is not amoral about the research, as we've kind of attested, oh, sorry, as we've kind of discussed. <clears throat> There's a lot of value judgments and beliefs that are hinged upon these scientific facts that influence the way in which it's used. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that these collared flycatchers do what they do in nature, when the researchers look at it, we don't make value judgments about the flycatcher. No one looks at the flycatcher and goes, oh, she's a saucy minx. Look at her getting a leg over with that large four-headed flycatcher over there like no one yeah you know no one's no one's holding no one's making any value or moral judgments about what this bird does with her with her spare time sorry it's just got me because just because it's so wholesome compared to come whore i think is the uh (laughs) by comparison yeah um oh you salty mink um yeah, no, exactly. And they're not being like shunned by the wider flycatcher society because of exactly, their yeah. hoe bag ways or whatever. Yeah. yeah, she's not being made to walk naked down the street with shame, shame <laughs> being rang out around her, is he? Yeah. And she's not even like, a bird can't really cheat. Like, they they're not in a monogamous no. relationship. They don't have that level of idea. Like, do you know what I mean? The, the guy's not like sat in the nest thinking like, oh my God, I can't believe Shirley's out banging another flycatcher. You know what I mean? Flycatcher with a, with a bigger forehead than mine. Also, scientists project things onto animals. So, you know, that, that whole thing might be debunked at some point. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing that's very interesting to note that the paper makes um, the point of is that there is no discussion or criticism about male sexual strategies. <laughs> Nowhere on the manosphere... Does anyone go, do you know what, all those men fucking about with their, you know, 24-7 horniness, which apparently we're all supposed to be, you know, Mm -hmm. men are supposed to apparently always be up for it, always ready to have sex, all that kind of stuff. No one's pointing the finger at men and going, oh, you should keep it in your pants and you shouldn't be cheating. You should stay faithful to one woman. None of that. It's all just women because of their biologically hardwired tendencies to – look elsewhere 
they're the ones that are doing all the cheating and they're more likely to go for the alpha male. So therefore, if you are any kind of beta, you're not, you don't stand a chance, all that kind of stuff. There's not a, there's, there's, so even in that, there's a massive double standard. Or it's actually used to kind of excuse male behavior. So like the idea that like women are hormonal or emotional, um, and that's why we are like horrible, like hobag, cheating, like divorcing, taking money bitches obviously, is used against us. But when you talk about sexual assault, say, or harassment or whatever, or cheating, like I've seen like loads of clips of guys on podcasts, you know, saying like, the thing is, I just, you know, it's just part of my nature. Like, I just can't be with just one woman. And like, it's just like mm-hmm. my high testosterone. So that's like, okay, because of their hormones. Whereas like, mm-hmm women they act badly because of their hormones even though when they're talking about the exact same behavior oh it makes me cross but i guess you know what this then does is it kind of externalizes any kind of responsibility that men may have in making sure that a relationship stays strong and healthy because if the woman then cheats it's just her biological prerogative and she was going to do it anyway because she was probably in the lead up to her period or on her period at the time and she was extra horny because of it so um dan women don't ovulate when they're on their period okay let's just uh yeah i obviously need to take lessons in uh, female biology because yep. i don't know anything well you know that we're not driven by it and thus monsters um i think the, the, the important bit. which again comes around to some of the general criticisms of evolutionary psychology yeah because i guess historically and you know within the manosphere it's thought to be very reductionistic and deterministic so this idea that women because of something that happens with them biologically will act in a certain way yeah. is very deterministic like there's no choice in the matter mm-hmm. it just fuels a whole lot of unhealthy toxic behaviors uh-huh through this kind of reductionistic and deterministic means. It's very difficult to hypothesis, hypothesis test, so it's very difficult to kind of test all the stuff that we see in nature. I know that there, you know, we've gone through a paper that has tried to do it, and to some degree it has come up with some answers, but there's probably a lot of things within the sort of realm of the animal kingdom that would be really hard to replicate as human yeah. beings in terms of not even just sexual behavior, but just any kind of behavior, which which doesn't mean that evolutionary psychology hasn't helped the way in which we understand our thinking. You know, compassion-focused therapy has an evolutionary perspective in the sense that our fight-flight drive system is what keeps us going. So, you know, the understanding of us being in fight-flight-freeze like comes from this idea of an evolutionary adaptation to surviving. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that evolutionary psychology and the theories that it has doesn't have a place in how we understand and think about the world, Mm -hmm. but it's just not necessarily possible perhaps to test and falsify all the theories that exist. Yeah. And then what happens is that people will then take those theories as fact. Yeah, and I think the difference between something like fight, fight, freeze and this kind of stuff is that those things kind of are used therapeutically to like work through people's whatever shit they're going through right and to understand their reactions to traumatic situations and things like that no one's sitting in a therapist's office going like oh i cheated on my partner and they're going oh well it's because uh, you know these there's this bird called a flycatcher do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. or you're just biologically determined to cheat so actually you know you're just a hoe for life yeah yeah a classic woman yeah or oh my partner cheated on me oh well is she a woman? Because I'll tell you why. Do you know what I mean? I mean, whether or not 
I share genetic material with a bird that looks with bigger forehead patches. <laughs> and that's why I maybe want to cheat on my boyfriend, which I don't, by the way, in case you're listening. Um, and also just for the record. <laughs> that doesn't add anything really to my life. But I understand the study of it in a kind of theoretical, it's interesting to think about, right? Why do people act the way they do? I find it more interesting to think about the kind of like social systems of, and systems of oppression mm-hmm. that, that, that impact those things. But I think that the, the interaction between like nature and nurture and stuff is really interesting. And that's why evolutionary psychology is a theoretical field, right? Within the field, I'm sure that you get some really like lively, interesting debates. But if you're looking for a some proof that biologically women are like hardwired to be hoes for life then unfortunately you can you can find it and, and sort of cherry yeah. pick what you're looking at um and, and actually that's that's one of the the criticisms around sort of the hypothesis te- the hypothesis testing um is that you know some people can use it as these just so stories which as you've kind of highlighted are neat adaptive explanations for the evolution of given traits that do not necessarily rest on evident, any evidence beyond somebody's in, own internal logic. So Noam Chomsky, who I'm not 100% familiar with. He's, he's a linguist and a cool leftist thinker. So he's been quoted as saying, so if you find people that cooperate, you can say, yeah, that contributes to their genes perpetuating. Or you might find that people fight and you can say, sure, that's an obvious because it means that their genes perpetuate and somebody else's don't. And, you know, you can use evolutionary psychology as a way to kind of go, oh, yeah, that makes sense because from an adaptive perspective, that would be fine. Yeah. So evolutionary psychology, whilst it has been helpful, can unfortunately be used in a way to kind of just fit somebody's narrative because yeah. if it's if it's considered adaptive, then, well, yeah, it's adaptive. Yeah, and I, I imagine in the actual discipline, there's some acknowledgement that evolution isn't an individually based thing. It's species based, right? Yeah, but also it's not necessarily applicable to everyone all the time in all contexts. Because yeah. I guess one of, one of the other things that happens, um, one of the other criticisms is this idea of assumed ethnocentrism Mm. by the fact that if it happens in one species and it's observable in another species and you can prove that it happens in a different species then therefore it must be the same for all of those you know creatures or animals or humans in that particular species Mm -hmm. because and i guess this is this is what the manosphere doesn't it is i've been cheated on Science proves that birds cheat on their partners because they've got small fucking foreheads. So therefore, females just cheat generally and you can't trust any woman. And so therefore, you have to go and get paternity tests if you have a child with them because you can't actually trust that that is your child, which is just a ridiculous snowball of toxicity and bullshit perpetuated by... Men who say they're going their own way but don't ever fucking go. Perpetuated by, but anyway, sorry. But also perpetuated by legitimate peer-reviewed science which is is the is which is the really tricky part mm-hmm. so actually the point of this paper um after all of this was to kind of highlight how the manosphere is bastardizing evolutionary psychology research and a bit of a call to action actually for evolutionary psychologists and people who are publishing papers to kind of be really careful about the language they use and what they say and really highlight that things are hypotheses or theories or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because essentially all these people's work are being twisted and turned to meet some really horrible misogynistic vitriolic end. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was a great paper. I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, shout out to 
the authors of the paper? Uh, Louise Bashard and Sarah E. Johns. Yeah. More of this, please, being aware of how your work might be used by a wider, not so academically literate audience. So, yeah. So there we go. Uh-huh. The manosphere, it loves evolutionary psychology, but it does not know how to use it. <laughs> the manosphere is wrong about shit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good, that would be a good um, sort of press release. Maybe just like a tagline for the manosphere. The manosphere, we're angry and wrong about shit. <laughs> <laughs> the manosphere, always incorrect. <laughs> Never knowingly fair to women. Um, yeah. Oh, those lads, eh? Silly boys. Yeah. Oh, what are they like? <laughs> Sad sometimes. God, do you imagine? God, I just, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just going to rant to end the episode. Unless you've, have you got more to say? No, no, that's it. I'm done. Right, okay, here we go. Right, <laughs> like the, the audacity, right? Because if I, so I understand that if you are cheated on more than once, and you're dating people of the opposite sex. You might start to develop idea that, you know, that's what, for example, in my, my experience of my teenage years, men are like or boys are like. But like, when women talk about men in a like general way and like how they cheat or how they, they just want sex or whatever, that's misandry, right? But when these men talk about how women just cheat and they just want resources and good genes, that's science, apparently. <sighs> that's it. That's it's not really a it's not really a full rant. It's just a sort of you know nice little double standard to end on. Little fist shake to end on. Why I order <laughs> you you kids? You dirty dirty misogynists on the internet. <laughs> we'll have more of that voice on the next episode. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I don't know if we will actually have that on the next episode, but we will be reviewing discussing the podcast that comedian matt rife famous for his domestic violence joke did with podcast favorite fan of the show i believe um allegedly <laughs> uh jordan peterson we're going to listen to it so you don't have to and then we're going to talk to each other about it i imagine we'll find it quite frustrating <laughs> there'll probably be lots to talk there'll about. be lots to talk about and lots of sweat so, yeah, join us next week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do like it. Follow us at Mansfield Debunked Pod on Instagram and um, leave us a review. That really helps. Send us an email if you've got any ideas or requests. Uh, but that's all for today, I believe, unless you've got anything else to say for yourself. Uh, other than other than I'm sorry to all the evolutionary psychologists whose work is just being pandered and bastardised across the internet. Yeah. Soz. Well, you know, stop talking about lobsters and and and, and birds and, <laughs> and fucking collared yeah. fly catchers. I want to see more evolutionary psychology on killer whales who are led by post menopausal females. That's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. See what the fucking manosphere's got to say about that. Yeah. <laughs>
Who am I to? <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Actually, um, you know what? Um, Let's stop the podcast. Um, the manosphere was right all along.